You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Kirk McKenzie. Bible reading today is Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, a number of years ago, I was at the Diamond Creek Town Fair with my two daughters. Now, they were pretty little at the time. Uh, Kira was a little baby. She was still less than one year old. And Jasmine was you know, about three and a half. Now, if you've never been to the Diamond Creek Town Fair, it is a great event. Uh, it's very big. You know, there's lots of rides, there's lots of stalls, there's people everywhere, and it can feel a bit chaotic. Anyway, so I've got my two kids there. Uh, Kira's in the pram, and we meet up with some friends at the, at the town fair. So we stop for a bit of a chat. Anyway, while we're chatting, I have a look around and Jasmine is nowhere to be seen. She has completely disappeared from sight. Now, I don't know if you've ever lost someone that you've got responsibility for, but I don't recommend the experience. Uh, For me, it was a full body experience. My heart started pumping, my stomach started to twist. Uh, I was in quite a panic as I asked my friends to look after Kira while I went to search for my lost daughter. Now, I'm going to return to that story uh, later in the talk because we're going to look at the story that we've just had in our Bible reading today, the story of the lost sheep where something very important has also been lost. Now, before we do that, let's have a look at the audience that is listening to this story. It's always worth doing when we get told that in the Bible, you know, who the story is actually being told to. And as we see at the start of Luke chapter 15, where we find this story, the audience is told to us very directly by our author. They say, the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Now, tax collectors and sinners, think of these people as the ones who are normally in Jesus' time, in Jesus' community, they will push right to the edge of society. These were the people who were basically considered to be the dodgy people, the bad people. Uh, you know, sinners basically means people who are doing the wrong thing, doing you know evil things. Uh, very unpopular, and, and in a particularly in Jesus' time, a, a very sort of religious community. Uh, these were the people who are considered to be not really doing what God wants, you know, very much not lined up with how people of God should be living. And yet, these are the people who are drawing close to listen to Jesus. These are the ones who are gathered close to him. Now, this is particularly significant given what we've just read in chapter 14. So Jesus has done some teaching on the cost of following him. He said, hey, if you're going to follow me, 
it's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require a radical response. And he finishes uh, in chapter 14. The last line of chapter 14 is, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And what do we read in the very next sentence? Who's gathered around to hear Jesus? Who's gathered close? It's the tax collectors and the sinners. It's the dodgy people. It's the ones who are normally considered to be excluded from God's people. They're the ones who are gathered closest to listen. Now, they're not the only people there to listen. There's also people standing at a distance. There's a a crowd. Jesus is a very popular teacher. And so there's other people who want to hear from Jesus. And that includes what we see in verse 2, people called the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. These are religious leaders uh, in in the community who would be considered uh, the experts in following God, the experts in being part of God's people. Now, they're the, the, the crowd at the distance They're the ones who would normally be the heart of the community, the heart of the people of God. And yet in this story, they're the ones who, you know, might be finding it a little bit hard to hear because they're off at a distance. And they're not too happy with Jesus getting in close with the tax collectors and sinners. In fact, they're muttering to themselves. It says in verse 2, they say to themselves, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That was a particularly bad thing to do. Uh, in that particular community. You didn't interact with the sinners. Uh, You especially didn't sit down and share a meal with them. But Jesus was known for doing this. And even the idea that he was letting them gather close to hear the teaching was really controversial. Anyway, that's the setting for this story that Jesus then goes on to tell. And he starts that story in verse 4. So let's have a look at it in a bit of detail. Jesus says, Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Now, this is a Jewish audience. Jewish kids grew up memorizing what we now know as the Old Testament section of the Bible. The New Testament hadn't been written then, so that's all the Bible they had. Now, they would be familiar with this theme of the good shepherd in the Bible. This is the theme we've been looking at in our teaching series over the last few weeks. So when they hear about someone who looks after sheep, which is what a shepherd does, they're going to start thinking about this theme that we've been looking at in our series. And you can go back and check that on YouTube and in our podcast uh, to to get the whole depth of the theme throughout the Bible. And so they're going to hear this from Jesus and go, oh, okay, shepherd theme. And they're going to be on the lookout for the shepherd character representing God because often God talks about himself as being the shepherd. And that's absolutely the case in this story. So the shepherd represents God. And they're probably even thinking about some of the passages that we've looked at in our series. For example, in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11, God says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. And this, of course, is what the shepherd does in this story, searches for the lost sheep to look after. But Jesus is also using his audience that he's got here, remember, the tax collectors and sinners, and, of course, uh, the the more religious people, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and he's using them to compare them to the different types of sheep in the story as well. 
So think about the crowd standing at a distance. They're the 99 sheep uh, who are found. You know, they're doing well. They're already part of uh, the flock, if you like. They're part of the community. And then the sinners and the tax collectors are represented by the lost sheep. You know, the one that, that's wandered away, they're not part of the family of God at the moment. So he's really connecting the story in directly with the audience that he's got in front of him at that moment. And then he goes on in the story and gives a bit more detail. He says, when the shepherd finds the lost sheep, this is in verse 5, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. So the shepherd's gone out. He hasn't just done a small search. He's continued to look until he's found the sheep. And then when he finds it, it's not like, oh, finally, found it. All right, get you home. It's a joyful moment, carries the sheep home, uh, and then gets home and chucks a party with his neighbours to celebrate what a great moment this is. So there's a real sense of celebration. Now, put yourself in the shoes of the sinners and the tax collectors who are gathered in close, hearing this story from Jesus. You know, this is a a, a Jewish religious teacher, a rabbi, who is sharing this story. He's been doing incredible miracles. You've heard it rumoured that this guy might even be God come to earth in human form. And now he's telling you this story that says, hey, you, you the one who's always felt on the outer, you've always felt excluded from the people of God. You've always felt like you don't really belong in this community that follows God. And now he's telling you this story that says, hey, not only do you belong, but that God is searching for you, that God wants to bring you into the heart of his people And that when that happens, he will celebrate so much that he's ready to chuck a party. That must be a huge encouragement to those people gathered close who have felt that exclusion, that they are so valued and so loved by God. Likewise, think about the challenge to the crowd who are sitting at a distance, who have probably been part of excluding those people who have always been on the outer of their community that they're followers of God and yet they haven't been like God in the way they've treated some people in their community. And we'll get to that challenge again a little bit later. See, Jesus here is reminding us of another passage that we looked at in our series in Jeremiah 23, where we learn that the the, uh, good shepherd will gather the scattered people Uh, undoing the division of bad shepherds, of bad human shepherds. See, the good shepherd, as we've learned throughout the Bible, was always going to search for and find the lost sheep. And so what Jesus is doing in telling this story in the way that he does is he's not just teaching us about the good shepherd, he's also demonstrating that he is the good shepherd. By the way he's gathering these people to him, the way he's allowing and encouraging the sinners, to be close to him. And the way he's actually lived his life uh, all along, not just in this moment, but in other moments, he's actually being the good shepherd in the way he lives his life, in the way he leads his disciples. 
Now, it goes even further with, than this in verse 7, or, or further with the story and the teaching in verse 7. He says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So he continues the theme of celebration here, rejoicing, but he adds in this idea of repentance as well. Now, repentance is this idea that you're heading in one direction in your life and perhaps there's some parts about your life that are not good. Uh, yeah, we do things that are wrong, we do things that are evil, we stuff things up and we also fail to do things that are right. And so the idea of repentance is that we turn and we live in a new direction. So we say, I've done wrong, I'm sorry for this. And from a Christian perspective, we say, and God, I want to live in a new way. I want to live in relationship with you and I want to live your way. This is the basic idea of repentance, of turning to live in a new way. And so what Jesus seems to say with this summary at the end of the story, and I think he's probably speaking you know, in particular to the, to the tax collectors and sinners here, is to say, first, God is seeking you. So God's taking that action. He wants to be in relationship with you. He's taking uh, all those first steps to make that possible. Also, our repentance is important. Our desire to actually turn and be in relationship with God is important. This makes sense of the teaching in chapter 14, which is just before this story, where he's been talking about the importance of a radical response to him, the idea that following him requires a response from us. And so I think there's a sense here that it's it's not a permission to the tax collectors and sinners just to continue on with all the problematic, all the evil sort of stuff that they might be doing in their life. It's not permission to just roll on with whatever sinful behaviours that we might have in our life. That being part of God's people does require repentance. It does require turning from the sin in our life and seeking to live in relationship with him. But the order of how things play out in this story is significant and is very important for us to hold on to. First, God acts, okay? God is the one who seeks. God is the one who finds. The loving actions of the good shepherd come first. While the lost sheep is still lost, wandering off, no idea what to do, the good shepherd is acting. And then we respond. So if we're lost and God's the one acting, when he finds us, then we turn and we say, yes, Lord, we're going to live with you. And we're not expected to do that perfectly, like, oh, I've repented. Now I'm a perfect person. I'm never going to stuff up. I'm never going to get anything wrong. No, but we choose to live in relationship with God, not perfectly, but with him, with his guidance, with his help. See, so many of our relationships in life are actually conditional and actually require us to act first before we get approval and before we perhaps even receive uh, love. So many movies have a storyline of family approval, whereas kids grow up as being teenagers and then young adults 
they're trying to seek the approval of their families. And the families have expectations that, you know, you're not going to get this approval or you're not going to get rewarded with this responsibility until you've proven yourself in this way or this way or this way because families have expectations. Of course, uh, our workplaces have this sort of thing. You need to achieve this level to get this pay. You need to achieve, achieve this level before you'll get promoted. You'll need to achieve this level be before you'll be accepted in this workplace. Uh, study is all about this, right? You need to get to need to prove yourself and do this before you can pass, do this before you can get a certain mark, do this before you can get into this course. Achieve, achieve, achieve before you receive approval. Even in peer groups, you know, amongst friendships, uh, you, you sort of got to act in certain ways, do certain things, believe certain things, behave like this if we're going to accept you into this peer group. And so, so many relationships in our life require us to do things before we'll, we'll be accepted. The wonderful thing about our relationship with God is that he's done everything required for us to be accepted, everything required for us to be loved. He's taken all the actions necessary. He's taken all the initiative. And all we need to do is to turn to him and say, yes, I'm going to live with you. Thank you. That's wonderful. And start to live in relationship with him. What I really love is that image in verse 5 of the good shepherd, when the good shepherd finds the lost sheep, just picking the lost sheep up, putting the sheep on his shoulders and just walking home with that sheep, carrying it all the way home. It's a great image for us to hold on to in the sense of God doing so much of the work. It's not that we don't respond. Our response is valuable and important, but so much of that initiative and, and all of the love coming from God in, in that order, him acting first. Now, I think when it comes to the lost sheep, we can all relate to the lost sheep, at least at some point in our life. You know, perhaps you've grown up in a Christian family, and so you know, you've always known about you know, the idea of God being the good shepherd in one way or another, but you can probably relate to an experience of being lost in some way at some point in your life. Perhaps you've, you've sort of had a time where you've really walked away from your faith and, and so you've really got that sense of, yeah, I really needed God to come and, and find me. Um, and maybe you haven't sort of been to that level, maybe you haven't sort of deliberately walked away, but you still have that experience of like, oh, I do feel a bit lost and I do need God's help to sort of guide me again. For other people, of course, you know, for many people in Australia, uh, not raised in a Christian family. And so uh, you might go, hey, I, I don't think I've ever really known the Good Shepherd. I need to be introduced. <laughs> uh, and in that sense, as far as knowing Jesus, uh, you, perhaps you feel like maybe I've been kind of lost my whole life in, in, in that sort of sense. So, so whatever background we come from, whatever our experience is, I think there's always a period in our life where we could go, and maybe it's a really long period, maybe it's a short period, where we can go, yeah, I can relate to the idea of the lost sheep. But here's the reality. A lot of you watching today have been found. Now, you're already a follower of Jesus. You've started that relationship that uh, we talk about so often at church. 
And so you're no longer lost. You know, you've been found. You're back into the community of God. So you're not the one. You're part of the 99 effectively in this story. So let me just talk, if you're in that category, let me just talk to you for a few moments. What's this story mean for people who have been found? What's the message we should take out of it for people who are you know, in the 99? Well, it's a pretty simple message. God cares about the lost. And as followers of Jesus, so should we. Now, we might ask the question, well, does this story mean God cares about the lost more than the 99 or even that he doesn't really care about the 99 because he kind of leaves, the shepherd sort of leaves the 99 behind to go and find the lost? I think we can overthink this and I certainly overthought it a little bit while I was preparing for the message. Uh, let me let's just leave it at this. The emphasis of the passage is that God, is that the shepherd seeks the lost. The emphasis is not that the shepherd leaves the 99 behind. I think it's safe to assume that the 99 are fine, they're safe. And of course, the shepherd brings the lost one back to the 99. It's like that the 100 is actually complete again. Not like The point of the passage is not, ah, oh, the shepherd left the 99, don't care about it, and they can get stuffed. That's certainly not what the passage is about. So let me return to the Diamond Creek Town Fair story to sort of flesh this out. Now I'm aware I've told this story once at our church many years ago, but I think it's such a good illustration that I wanted to bring it back. So I've lost three and a half year old Jasmine. I don't know where she is. My heart's thumping, my stomach's twisting. I'm in a panic. In that moment, which of my two daughters do you think I love the most? Now, if you just answered that I love the lost daughter more than the daughter who's found in the pram. How dare you? I love both my daughters equally. <laughs> but who did I have the most concern for in that moment? Of course it was for the one who was lost. The one who was found was right there with me. She was in the pram. I had my friends there who were able to look after her. But the one who was lost, I had no idea where she was. The thumping heart and the twisted stomach and the panic was all because she was lost. And for the couple of minutes that I had to go searching for her, she was fine. She was absolutely great. <laughs> Wasn't stressed about it at all. But my concern was for her because she was lost. And the other one was sleeping in the pram. She was totally fine and safe. And I think this reflects God's heart uh, when it comes to the lost. It's not that he doesn't love those who are found, but He's in good relationship with them, doing well. But those who are lost, not in good relationship with him. And he desires that they are. You know, I'm in good relationship with Jesus right now. I believe that you know, God loves me deeply. But I also know he has a deep desire to be in that same sort of relationship with those who don't know him yet. That's why as a church, our mission is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. And it's so important that we have the second part of that sentence. If it was just to know Jesus and all it was about was people who already were Christians, just sort of going deeper and I don't know, getting more knowledge or you know, just building up our own faith, we'd really be missing the heart of what God is all about and the whole point of God's mission in the world in the first place. 
we have to be about making Jesus known as well. Now, here's the challenge. Part two of this mission, making Jesus known is in helping people who don't know Jesus get to know Jesus. It's way harder because most people who don't know Jesus are getting on with living their lives. It's totally fair enough. They're not calling up and contacting the church. They're not sending us messages going, hey, I've got some ideas on how you could you know, really share your faith with me a lot better. You know, they're not going, hey, there's a few things you could change to really get your message of the love of Jesus more relevant to people who don't know Jesus. They're not contacting us about that because you know, they're focused on other things. They're just getting on with life. Fair enough. Yeah, the 99 are already here in the sense that people who are found, they're already part of church. They're not hard to find. They've already, they're turning up, <laughs> they're attending life groups, and you know, they're quite motivated to follow Jesus. Um, but seeking people, going out and finding people, uh, that takes time. That takes effort. It's a, it's a lot more of a challenge. And so it requires us as a church to be constantly uh, refocusing and reminding ourselves on the heart of what, what God's heart is for those who are lost and challenging ourselves to be like him in this area. The thing is, it is so good when someone who is lost in that spiritual sense is found. It's so good when someone discovers how good Jesus is. It's so great when someone gets to know the love of God in their own life. That's why there's this great celebration sort of theme throughout this story, because it's so fantastic when someone gets to know Jesus. And it's worth it, right? So it is harder, the second part of our mission, but the rewards are so, so great. So love for the lost must be at the heart of all churches, must be at the heart of our church. So I want to finish today by saying a prayer about that. Let's pray. Well, Lord, as I've talked about, I think you know, we can all uh, relate with the idea of being spiritually lost in our own life at some point. Um, you know, we, we all need your help. Uh, we all need you to come and uh, rescue us at times in our life. And you know, none of us are strong enough to do this without you. So we thank you for, for being the Good Shepherd, and we thank you for always acting first and being the God who seeks and finds and who shows your love for us. We also pray for us as a church that we can be like you in the way we care for those who don't know you. Um, you know, we, we want to be generous and caring and kind and patient to those who don't know you. Help us not to uh, be at, I don't know, a war with those who don't know you, but to love them. And I want to pray for anyone uh, who's watching today who, who doesn't know you. Um, I'm going to assume that they're watching out of some interest. Uh, there's something that's drawn them to watch today. And so I pray that because you're good and because you're kind and because you're loving, because you're the good shepherd, that right now you would be at work in their life, that you would fill them with your spirit, that you would show them that this story that Jesus told 2,000 years ago 
tells us something so true and real about you today and that you would give them an experience of just how good you are right where they are right now and in the remainder of our service together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.